this sermon is read rather than recorded from the service due to technical problems. Who would have thought it? Ed Miliband, leader of the Labour Party. Alongside my surprise, I was also thinking something else. All the party leaders are now younger than me. I'm officially a has-been. Ed hammered that home in his party conference speech using the phrase new generation 14 times. It's a funny feeling when the world is ruled by people younger than me. At least I have uh, Barack Obama, he's 10 months older than me. Perhaps he'll keep the youngsters in line. Actually for me, at Maudlin Road, that shift has been very dramatic. When I arrived a decade and a half ago, I was about 20 years younger than the median age of the church. Today I'm about 20 years older than the average. It reminds me of the remark of Michael Foote, a Labour leader of a previous era. Speaking of the Liberal leader, David Steele, he said, He's gone from rising hope to elder statesman without any intervening period whatsoever. So today my thoughts turn to Ed Miliband's new generation. In fact, the generation below him. The generation of a majority in the church. At least more than road church. Actually the last 30 years of the church in this country have been pretty exciting. Living biblical Christianity in this country is much stronger than it was a generation ago. But what about the next 30 years? Every generation needs a new work of God. These first few chapters of 1 Samuel are deeply pertinent because they describe a new generation, a new work of God. The old era described in the book of Judges is ending and a new era which will ultimately lead to the golden age of King David is just dawning. The first stirrings of that new era have been surprising. It begins with a nobody. 1 Samuel starts with the phrase there was a certain man an unknown man actually called Elkanah Indeed, the story doesn't really start with him, but with his barren, despised wife, Hannah. She is a woman of prayer. She is a woman of incredible character. If you give me a child, she says, I will give him back to you. God answers prayers like that. God gave her a child, Samuel. In the ordinary course of things, Samuel would not become a leader. If you want to be a leader in Britain today, you need to have gone to a private school, preferably Eton, or at least have a professor for a father. But that's not the way that God works amongst his people. Hannah's prayer that we looked at last week captured that. God raises up the humble, puts down the proud, God is not interested in the background or social status of the person. He looks at the heart. He blesses the humble. Today in 1 Samuel 3 we're going to see the next stage in this story. Hannah's role is complete. Her little boy Samuel is now centre stage. It's not by accident that the 
these two books 1 and 2 Samuel bear his name he's going to be a great man what is it that will make him great? that's a deeply pertinent question for us as a church for many of us here in particular for the rising generation I want to show you four things from 1 Samuel 3 that are needed if God's church is going to thrive four things for you to seek with all your heart four things that we must stand for as a church if we are to be useful in the next generation the first of those things is the word of God 1 Samuel 3 opens with a very interesting scene the old man Eli is on the way out one night Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see was lying down in his usual place you might expect the story to contrast this fading old man with bright young Samuel and in some ways it does but that's not the first comparison that is made the lamp of God had not gone out says verse 3 a lamp burned in the house of God every night until dawn it may be that he's just telling us it was night time therefore but there may be a symbolic contrast here too the old man is fading but not the light of God this chapter is actually all about the lamp of God or more precisely all about God's word it is the rarity of the word of God Luke begins the story verse 1 in those days the word of God was rare there were not many visions it is the inbreaking of the word of God which shapes the story verse 4 then the word the Lord called Samuel it is Samuel's spiritual awakening that will be through the word of God verse now Samuel did not yet know the Lord the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him and Samuel's growth will be involved in becoming a faithful minister of the word of God 1 Samuel 3 verse 19 says Samuel let not one of God's words fall to the ground indeed Samuel's ongoing relationship with God will be through God's word verse 21 says the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word for us who have the final written word of God our experience of God's word will be somewhat different we have the privilege of reading the Bible but this and numerous other passages like it remind us that there is always a subjective dimension to hearing God too you can read the Bible from beginning to end and be no different only if God in his mercy and grace opens your eyes does his word really live hearing 1 Samuel 3 this subjective experience is at the forefront God speaks 
So our first lesson in every generation the word of God must be heard. This is why we're unashamed about setting the teaching and proclaiming of the word of God centre stage in our life together. There is much more about Christian life than the word of God in the same way that there's much more about a car than its engine, much more about a flower than its roots, much more about a person than their heart. But cars, flowers and people are, are dark and do not function if we neglect the engine, the roots, the heart. I say to you, your usefulness to God will be in proportion to your commitment to reading, digesting, living out the truths of the Word of God. Of course, reading the Bible can be a dry, boring exercise. Absolutely. But if the water from your only tap slows to a dribble, you eagerly preserve every drop. You try to find out what's gone with the plumbing. You don't walk away and conclude that you don't need water anyway. Pray to God that he would make your Bible reading really live. Develop regular habits. Search the scriptures. Commit yourself to doing what it says. Ask God to speak to you as you read his word. Samuel didn't let a single word from God fall to the ground. God's word counted in his life it shaped his life into a great one every new work of God begins with a renewed hearing of God's word but there are three other things that are vital in this chapter to the establishment of this new work of God three other things that needed to happen to Samuel The first is a quality that Samuel developed in his own life. Servant-heartedness. Hannah had given her son into the care of the priest Eli. And in verse 1 we read, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. He served in a junior role. That discipline, learned early, becomes a central element of the story. Eli and Samuel are sleeping together in the temple. When verse 4, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered here I am and he ran to Eli and said here I am you called me but Eli said I did not call go back and lie down so he went and lay down it's the middle of the night but this young man we don't know how old he was at this point the word boy could be very broad but he's a young man this young man he runs night for Eli of course Eli hasn't called so he goes back and lies down and then the same thing happens again and then a third time now as a father I've been woken up in the night I remember Emily in particular as a baby 
she was a squeamer and I might drag myself out of bed the first time she woke in the night but not three times Judy was always far more patient than me on that so I know what I would do if I was young Samuel pretend to be asleep and yet it is that willingness of heart that disciplined obedience which paves the way for everything else which happens to Samuel when I was in Cambridge I belonged to the same church as Don Carson a world leader in evangelicalism the main role that Don took on in the church was cleaning So we are absolutely unapologetic when we ask most people to get involved with the setup rotor when they first arrive. It helps the church, but it helps the individual too. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and servant of all, said Jesus. But Samuel needed something else in addition to simple obedience. He needed wisdom. And that wisdom was supplied by old Eli verse 8 the Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said here I am you called me and Eli realised that the Lord was calling the boy so Samuel told so Eli told Samuel go and lie down if he calls you say speak Lord for your servant is listening so Samuel went and lay down in his place Now, Eli, in some ways, is a deeply compromised man, as we'll see in a couple of weeks. But he's still a man of faith. And a man of spiritual experience. All the people here, you have a vital role in the life of this church. The more vital, in fact, because it is in the main a young church. in one of the patterns of modern church life that as people get older there is a flight to the suburbs in Oxford's case to the villages and in the process many people move church leading youthful inner city churches without a middle aged segment I understand that but it's a massive loss a loss to the younger generation of Samuels who need the wisdom of a few more Eli's those older people have a vital role in passing on their wisdom to the younger generation older people here catch that vision you have the opportunity to get involved in the lives of a younger generation here and to pass on wisdom which will last them a lifetime younger people here seek that wisdom there are lots of reasons not to listen to Eli he had made a mess of things in some ways he was definitely declining physically but he still had wisdom remember even hearing the voice of God was not sufficient for Samuel he had to turn to a half blind old man to know how to respond
and then some will need courage. You see, Samuel wasn't given a very nice message. It was bad news for Eli. Verse 15. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Imagine that poor lad lying awake, agonizing about what he should do. But Eli models for him great godliness and courage. 16. Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it that he said to you, Eli asked? Don't hide from me, hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hid nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Eli receives his bad news like a man. And in the process, Samuel is empowered to be a man of courage. For the rest of his life, he will fearlessly speak the truth to everyone from kings downwards. Gary Horgan, in his book, The Good News About Injustice, says this, As the father of four children, I find myself thinking more and more about the core gift that I would like to give them to take into the world. If I had one essential provision to grant as they were going out our door, I think I know what it would be. More and more, I pray that our children might leave our home as men and women of courage. And then he quotes C.S. Lewis to explain. C.S. Lewis wrote, Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point. A chastity or honesty or mercy which yields to danger will be chaste or honest or merciful only on conditions. Pilate was merciful till it became risky. As far as I can see, it looks like it will be more difficult to be a Christian in the decades to come. How we need men and women of courage. Men and women who will speak about their faith openly in the workplace. Men and women who will risk their financial security or their reputation or their promotional prospects or even sometimes family relationships and friendships for the sake of Jesus. Do not be afraid was the most common phrase from Jesus' lips. We need courage. If there is to be a new work of God in this country. Let me finish with a story. Not the story of a young man from Eton. became Prime Minister or the son of a professor who became leader of the opposition. The story, in fact, of an 18th century weaver's son who became a cobbler. That young man served faithfully in his job, immersed himself in the Word of God, 
slowly he became convinced that the world needed to hear the gospel he was befriended by some godly older men and over a period of years despite great opposition and widespread apathy he found a way to go to India there through patient witness he founded an indigenous Christian movement today Indians of all faith acknowledge him as one of the most significant men in the history in the whole history of India Western Christians call him the father of modern missions his name was William Carey his character was forged by the word of God as he learned servant heartedness wisdom and courage my question in the words of Edmund is not about Ed's new generation now my real question comes from 173 will there be a new generation of sons 